Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock, Ledbetter, who's up in Sacktown right now rooting those Princeton Tigers on. <laughs> he was at the game. Oh, my God. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, watching Princeton, a 15 seed, win a March Madness game while shooting 16% from the three-point line. Princeton? Princeton won that game shooting four of 25 from three, and then the next game they came out and just blitzed Missouri. It was incredible. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Missouri, they were. Tell them about your boy from Slam Diego. Oh, you mean Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, if if people have been watching March Madness, so Ryan Langbor or Borg is the yeah. um the best player for Princeton. Yeah. And he's from San Diego. He went to school about like 15 or 20 minutes away from where I am and uh he he played against a couple of my friends on the varsity team because he's the same grade as me. We're both high school class of 2019. I graduated college already, but he's still playing at Princeton. But we both were the same high school class, and he ended up going to Princeton, and now he's a, a national hero because he's led a 15 seed to the Sweet 16 at March Madness. Oh, it's awesome, and I'm so glad you were there to see all of it. Now let's go to another March Madness, which is the NFL free agency period. We're a week in now, and uh, the Cardinals have done some very good things. Very pleased with their signings. Haven't signed a quarterback yet, which concerns me. And a bunch of quarterbacks have, are now, you know, taken by other teams. The pickings are getting slim. I think we're going to need someone else, uh, plus a draft pick to go into the season with three quarterbacks. I think they're going to enact that three quarterback on the roster for game day, new rules. Uh, so, and then we'll want three on the, on the, you know, roster for game days. And then uh, hopefully Kyler will come back sooner than later. So we had, haven't really addressed the quarterback position yet in running backs. They signed Corey Clement. That was a bit of a surprise, although Corey Clement played well um, against the 49ers in that last game, scored a touchdown. Uh, he's a tough kid, and uh, he's versatile. Uh, and so, you know, we need deep depth at running back. At wide receiver, they they uh, re-signed Greg Dortch. That was huge. Everyone had celebrated that. We're still waiting on the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I have a proposal coming up that you will hear uh, when I get to my UFA and draft mock uh, today. So, um, so, and then they did not tender Antoine Wesley. So uh, we don't know, maybe they could sign him, but we don't know what his status is right now. So we're kind of waiting on the Hopkins trade, obviously with other, you know, the trade for Brandon cooks that just happened um, with the, uh, the Texans, uh, you know, that's that's going to perhaps uh, lower the the draft value of of DeAndre Hopkins, and I think we're bracing for that. But uh, I've I've have a creative solution to this coming up. But uh, then on the offensive line, they re-signed um, 
Will Hernandez. That was a good move to play right guard. Jose uh, Frogel, big kid, 6'5", 3'10", played some center for them, played some guard. We don't know whether they're projecting him as a center or a guard for the Cardinals, but uh, maybe the draft will dictate that or a free agent signing. You know, that was a good pickup, uh, sort of under the radar of an ascending player who might be coming into his prime. Um, you know, they re-signed Kelvin Be Beecham, uh, which I thought was a very good move. Um, and either he's a swing tackle or, or uh, you know, there's rumor is Josh Jones, they'll slide to left guard. I'm not a big fan of that, but uh, I mean, I would hope that Josh Jones could convert over to right tackle and, and Kelvin Beecham could be the swing, but Beecham's the insurance there if he doesn't. And then, um, so, uh, yeah, they've addressed the offensive line well enough to supplement it in the draft. I mean, uh, DJ Humphreys took a restructure, and uh, so he'll be back at left tackle. So basically right now, if, uh, you know, Frohl goes to – the guard spot we need a center or if he's the center we need a, a left guard of course many of us are high on Marquise Hayes um who was showing really good strength at the point of attack in preseason last year before he got hurt and then there's let's say to Smith um who's probably going to be the backup center and a and a you know swing guard center guy on on game day so things are sh shaping up there. Obviously, on defense, we lost Zach Allen, um, who got a huge bag uh, from the Broncos, um, have not yet signed a player at his position, although uh, they took the kid strong from, um, from Tennessee. He's like an under-the-radar radar guy. Um, he can play uh you know, four, three D end, um, or, you know, he's a three, could be a three tech technique in a three, four. Um, he's good against the run. Uh, hasn't developed as a pass rusher yet, but we probably need to, you know, him in there to defend the run at times in a rotation. I don't think he's going to be a starter. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but we need help up, up the middle. That's why I'm wondering about free agency. I've got some guys in mind still. Um, we have, of course, uh, DeMarcus, uh, excuse me, Richard Lawrence coming back. Hopefully he can stay healthy because he was playing pretty well before he got injured last year. Um, and then Lucky Foto, who with a new coaching staff might be able to take his game to the next level. We're surprised to see them move off of, um, of the, you know, the young kid Hill who signed elsewhere. Um, I think it was with Cleveland. Um, and uh, uh, I thought he played pretty well. His PFF grade was really good. It was in the seventies for the Cardinals. Um, so he's gone. Um, you know, we're going to need some help inside, obviously. And I, I believe they've got to address it before free agents, I mean, before uh, the draft, plus you're going to have to draft in the middle um, in there. That's a high need. At linebacker, they, the, the plum signing was, uh, was um, 
the Kaiser White from Philadelphia who comes in, who's going to help lead this defense, lead the transition into uh, learning it and, and getting it going and rolling. Really love that. That was the plum pick so far. And uh, kudos to Jonathan Gannon for bringing him in um, and getting him in the fold. I think if we're going 4-3, uh, we've talked about this on Revenge of the Birds. This is, looks like it would be Simmons, Collins, and White. That's exciting to me. Although, um, if you draft, um, you know, Will Anderson, I think you can move Isaiah to free safety. We've talked about that. We'll talk more about that, um, which is a neat area, particularly in coverage. Um, and if it were me, I'd kick uh, Jalen Thompson over to corner, where I think he'd be fine because um, he can. He's good in man coverage, and I think he's. You know, he can keep plays in front of him in the zone and make plays on the ball, and he can force the run because he's a good tackler. Um, but we need a deep center fielder who's got range and can get to deep balls. Haven't had that in a few years. So, um, you know, Isaiah Sim Simmons could be amazing at that. He was when he – at the times that he played it at Clemson. So, you know, I mean, his versatility, Simmons, is very attractive. You know, um, it's good to know that – you know, you have a guy like that, you can move around. Um, but if they don't draft Anderson, I think you've got the three of, you know, Collins in the middle flank between Simmons and White. Um, and, of course, Dennis Gardeck is still, still uh, you know, very much going to have, I think, a role um, on this defense as, as a linebacker and, and edge rusher. Um, I'll be fascinated to see with, with this coaching staff We'll do Dick, Nick Rayless will do with Gardeck because I think Garlic Gardeck is uh, a player on the verge of a breakout um, with better coaching and, and a better uh, role. And that's something that John and Gay, Jonathan Gannon stresses. They will give players roles. The players will know their roles. They'll know what's expected of them. And, um, you know, they'll be given their cues. Um, so that's exciting too. And that, uh, and you hear the, the Cardinals uh, young coaches raving about saving Collins. Um, it's great to see. Um, so, you know, and then in the secondary, we haven't signed a, a free agent cornerback yet. Um, there's still a couple out there I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but Marco Wilson, he's getting the hype now as, as CB1. Uh, highlight reels for going up on Twitter and everything. I think it's so cool. He's embracing the the attention, and I think that we can, you know, be. Uh, I think it's reasonable to get excited about Marco um, coming off uh, a bit of a breakthrough season for him. You know, intercepting the goat uh, was a huge play. I mean, he's and that interception in the uh, Saints game with that just unbelievable, like ethereal dive into the end zone. It's just. <laughs> It's like watching an orca, you know, in the ocean. Um, so, uh, but then at, at safety, we've got Buddha at, at you know, his, ideally he's, a, he's at strong safety. Um, and uh, I think he'll thrive in this system uh, big time. And, you know, and then Jalen Thompson, if, if they don't move him over to corners, is, is in the mix there, obviously. Um, so, Oh, they're going to need some depth at safety too. I think either in the draft or 
uh, pick up a free agent at some point. Um, they're going to need some depth there. So, and then the kicking game, Matt Prater got re-signed, pretty expensive contract. Um, he was good when healthy, and that's been the concern at his age. Um, so it's a bit of a risk there, uh, but he's coming off one of his better seasons. Uh, he was like 18 for 20 for field goals or something like that, or, you know, it was right up there. Um, but again, I mean, his being out really hurt the team for four weeks and three or four weeks. So um, still haven't heard yet on Andy Lee and Aaron Brewer, but uh, we did re-sign um, Zeke Turner, one of the our best defense, uh, you know, special teams players. And I think that Zeke can uh, be a backup linebacker. He's made strides there as well. So um, he could even play strong, some strong safety, I believe, if pressed to it um, in a depth role. So, so that's where we stood, stand. And, you know, we haven't seen a signing in days now. And I've just been wondering, uh, you know, I, threw a poll up on Twitter this morning, a few hours ago. Um, Kyle, would you read the question on the poll and the updated answers? So the poll on Twitter at WBJ Mitch, the birds have 22 million of free cap space, fifth most in the NFL. Yet. Do you think they are finished with the pre-draft free agency, despite glaring needs at defensive tackle, cornerback center and quarterback? The results so far, it's 55 votes in. The options are yes, embrace the tank. Yes, rolling money to 2024 cap. Yes, they want comp picks or no. And so far, the results are yes, embrace the tank, 13%. Yes, rolling dollars to 2024 cap is 49%, the overwhelming favorite. Yes, they want comp picks at 11%. And no at 27%. Okay. Well, I'm hoping for no because, you know, I, I, I mean, I get the rolling over for next year's cap and all that, but, uh, you know, this, what's nagging at me is, you know, this, all the top quarterbacks are leaving the NFC. I mean, the NFC is becoming wide open. Um, and it could be quite a juggle, and I I think they're going to be there's going to be a Seahawks type team from last year, who's going to surprise. And I, you know, there's enough talent on this roster. If JG gets these guys fired up, and if they get the right pieces in place, where they, you know, um, they could win games. And uh, I'm not embracing the tank. I'm yes, I I want to see them get younger, and yes, I want to see another great draft, or actually the best draft we're going to have in years, hopefully. And I want to see the young players playing and I want, but you know, the Seahawks did that last year. The chiefs did that. They started five rookies, the chiefs and won a super bowl. How about that? You know, I mean, I, I just, so you got $22 million. You, you could spend 10 or 12 of that and still have, you know, 10 million left 10 or 12 million left over. Um, and there's some people out there still that are some players out there that are worthy of the investment, in my opinion. And the I good mean, news my is original... your team's already more skilled than the Rams. So the Rams are siphoning off assets at this point. So I don't think it's going to be a full on tank. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, I, I, you know, I like our chances if we can make some key, key moves to bolster positions where we're vulnerable, you know? So, uh, my original, uh, wish list, uh, I only got two players, uh, on my original wish list, uh, guys that I was wishing for that did not sign with the Cardinals were quarterback Jacoby Brissett went to Washington on a one year, 8 million deal guard, Ben Powers, who I thought would be a, you know, good fit with Kyler, um, fellow sooner on that, that, uh, line of sooners that Kyler was so fond of. He went to the Broncos on a four year, 51.5 mil deal. Center Garrett Brad, Brad Bradbury of Minnesota who had ties to Gannon in Minnesota, I thought could be a fit, but he went for three three years, 15.75 mil to re-sign with them. Alexander Madison, the running back for the for the Vikings, two years, seven million. I really like that kid. I thought he could he could do something special in Arizona, but uh you know, the Vikings like him too, obviously. Uh, Zach Allen, three years, $45 million. Um, hate to see him go. That was a lot of money. Um, and those Broncos stealing from us. So uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Cleveland, um, went to the Browns, four years. The defensive tackle, $57 million. That was a lot for him, I thought. Demarcus Walker. Um, went to the Bears. That one I thought was going to happen because of the ties to Monty. And Monty picked him out last year as a one-year free agent. And he really cashed in on uh, in Tennessee. He got three years, $21 million from, from the Bears. And uh, that must have been close, I bet. I bet they narrowly missed out on Demarcus Walker, which would have been a nice uh, – he would have fit nicely as a 43 D end. So he ends up with the bears. And then the one that hurt a lot was losing Isaiah Oliver, um, the Atlanta slot corner. I really loved to the 49ers day. Um, they lose, you know, Jimmy Ward. So they jump right in and, and grab Isaiah Oliver. I don't know what the details of those, of, of that is, uh, of that deal is yet, but, or are, but um, man, will we finally ever draft a slot or sign a slot cornerback? Um, and I've been making arguments for this on the, um, you know, on Twitter and on Revenge of the Birds is that in today's football, if you don't have a good slot cornerback, it, it's tough, tough to win. Um, and the Cardinals haven't had one in ages. I mean, you can make an argument that slot cornerbacks are more valuable than boundary cornerbacks because any, any cornerback will tell you the toughest cover in football is from the slot. I mean, that's why you saw Pat Peterson of trying to avoid it like the plague um, covering out of the slot is the most difficult cover there is. And, you know, you don't have, you don't have a, um, the kind of immediate help that you'd have over the top with safeties and stuff from the boundary and, you know, and I uh, get it. And 
for some reason, fans seem to think that slot corners are a dime a dozen. They're not. The good ones are really rare. And, I mean, I just think of the Bengals. They didn't start winning until they signed um, Mike Hilton to play the slot. Came over and played for Lou Anarumo. And all of a sudden, everything's different. That whole defense suddenly was one of the better ones in the league. I mean, if you can cover out, and plus, you know, Helton is not only a, a really good pesky cover man out of the slot, he's an instinctive run enforcer. I mean, he had all these tackles for losses. and He's a two-in-one um, dynamo. I mean, he's not perfect by any means, but, he, but he's, he's very, very aggressive and good at it. And, you know, so, I mean, if you can limit catches over the middle and crossers and things like that um, and seam passes out of the slot, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot to help your team win. So um, there's no money details on Oliver's contract yet. It yeah. is a two year deal with the Niners. Yeah. Dang it. So um, I'm guessing it's probably in the three million a year, three or four million a year range, which the Cardinals could have afforded. But, you know, I mean, the lure of the 49, I get it. Free agents want to go to, you know, the buzz on the Cardinals is kind of a tank buzz and and on hold because of Kyler's injury and stuff. So I, I there are a lot of things, a deterrence, I think, from free agents signing in Arizona. Um, because and of a lot buzz. of pluses to play in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to talk about that about post free post draft free agency where the Cardinals are banking on that. I think it could be a mistake because, you know, if guys are going to go cheap after the draft, free agents are going to go cheap. They want to go to the contenders. So the contenders will get the top guys. This is what happened to the Cardinals last year is they played, played at Coy and free agency so they could get the comp picks, figuring they could fill in their, their extra needs in free agency after the draft where it wouldn't count against comp picks. But if you look at what the Cardinals did in free agency after the draft, it was just, you know, nothing. I mean, they went and signed A.J. Green for $3 million. I mean, that did not work out. They signed Darrell Williams, running back. That did not work out. I mean, Nick, you know, um, uh, Nick Vigil they signed before in the regular season. He was one of their only outside free agents they signed and will hernandez other than that they didn't look outside the organization this year we only have a couple um and so you know thinking you can just plug in with with free agents who come on the cheap after the draft for a team that's uh you know not creating playoff buzz is going to be really difficult to do that's why i would like to see them Spend ten million right now to get three players um, that could be very valuable um, in helping the team win uh, as much as it can this year. I mean, I, I'm really worried about this. I mean, you know, I felt like Cliff Kingsbury's hands was handcuffed from the beginning last year because of this, you know, because of the not going out and getting more help at need positions 
and with all of the, you know, the drama and the off season. And then, you know, the Cardinals in a Super Bowl year were not that aggressive in free agency. And it was tough. I mean, and the Kyler drama didn't help either. So, you know, and it all snowballed. And then, of course, the, the Hopkins um, suspension, which I believe is hurting him now. I think people look at that and go, whoa. Um, you know, I mean, that really put a damper on things. And, you know, there's just, that's why you go and sign A.J. Green to $3 million. And you make the Hollywood Brown trade, you know, it's created a ripple effect that right now doesn't look like it necessarily might work in the Cardinals' favor. Because, you know, on top of that, they're having trouble moving Hopkins. And then, you know, Hollywood Brown needs a big year. Um, and But he's going to do have to do a lot of it without Kyler. And then I wonder, too, that, you know, with Kyler, I mean, if this team starts losing – we continue to lose at home where I hope the fans will start booing because more because and boycotting because this is this has got to stop. I mean, you know, our State Farm Stadium is like a, a barn for, you know, other teams, fans and their jerseys. And it's got us. I mean, you know, you could say, oh, well, we could still, you know, just kind of tank for a year. But here's what I worry about there is when you have a young staff and a new hopes on a coaching staff, what does it do for that, the perception of them as coaches? And then what if it happens all over again in 2024? You have the, you know, Cliff's, Cliff's hands were tied. Now is it, we're going to see Bidwell have a press conference say, you know, he's going to fire the staff and say it's a decision that had to be made again? I mean, you know, how can you survive more years of this ineptitude at home in particular? And, you know, I mean, there are ways to, like I said, I mean, with the Seahawks, they cashed in on a draft. They got a hot quarterback who was, you know, a mainstay in the building all offseason, getting guys on, on the right page. I mean, and they made the playoffs. And they had a heck of a year. I mean, they, you just put yourself in a position to succeed, and these coaches deserve it. I mean, don't handcuff them from the beginning. So, so anyway, the two hits I had on my wish list were Will Hernandez, two years, nine million, and Kaiser White, the linebacker, two years, eleven million, which were reasonable deals, and I think really the two best deals they've made so far um but there's the ones that are still available where i had uh wide receiver dj chark i haven't heard any interest uh, in him from the cardinals nose tackle greg Gaines, who just got signed by the bucks dang it um i thought he'd be a nice fit i like that kid a lot um i kyle can you look up the numbers on greg Gaines? what he might have gotten if those have been reported I haven't seen those. I've been looking for them. I wanted to see what, how competitive it would have been for the Cardinals. I also had cornerback Rock Yasin, um, who I think is the best pro press cover guy, corner available. He's still out there. I'm praying on him. I'd love to see them sign him. 
and safety, Daron Harmon. Uh, like I said, we need a center fielder who knows, you know, it's really good with range and, and, and making plays on the ball. And I thought he'd be a nice fit. He had a good year with the Raiders last year, even at his age. And of course, he has the ties to Monty Ford from New England. So from his New England days, Daron Harmon has three rings. Uh, I mean, so he's been there, done that. Um, so I revised my UFA wish list. Now the quarterback of my attention is Joshua Dobbs, who played for Drew Petzing uh, last year as the quarterback two behind Jacoby Brissett. And then uh, he could, the Titans picked him up and start started him and let in a couple games down the stretch that last year. I thought I watched those games and thought Dobbs did a very nice job. He's got decent length. He can, he's got decent mobility and he's got a, you know, I think a really good sense of how to read defenses. So you know, I'd love to see them pick him up and he knows the offense already. He can help teach it at running back. Now I've, I uh, got an eye on Damian Harris from the Patriots career to date in four years, 2,094 yards, 4.7 average, 281 yards receiving 7.0 DJ Chark's still on there, but I am getting more and more of a feeling that's not going to happen. Tight end Irv Smith from the Vikings. I added in there. Injuries have prevented him thus far from excelling, but boy, he's talented. He might be able to get him on a reasonable deal. And of course, you've got the Minnesota connection with Jonathan Gannon and Rayless, all those guys. Um, Corey Levin, the center from Tennessee, filled in well for Ben Jones. I'm really worried about Ben Jones's two concussions last year. Uh, And Levin was good, filling in, graded at 68.3. He's younger, and um, he'd be a decent, you know, I think a really solid pickup for the Cardinal. He can play guard, too, so it gives you some flex there. I had Isaac Sayamalo. He just got signed big time. Uh, I thought he would be a great trait to pair with Will Hernandez at guard. Um, Isaiah Wynn of the Patriots, right tackle of future, um, versatile and talented, but I don't know what the price tag would be on him. Um at, def- at Edge, I every year I put his name on my wish list. Justin Houston, the Ravens, 12 sacks last year. PFF grade is 71.1 at age 34. And his projection at sports rack is 5.5 mil a year. I'd do that for Justin Houston. Man, love that. And defensive tackle, I have Shelby Harris, 74.8. Uh, PFF grade last year at 31 for the Seahawks. He's out there. I have Ashawn Robinson, defensive tackle, 28. I think he's still got plenty in the tank, and he's a big, strong Bama boy. I've always liked him as a run stuffer, and he's he'd be good to plant in the middle there. I have also Ndamukong Sue, who played well in JG's scheme down the stretch last year. I'm hoping they have a wink-wink deal already set with him for after the draft. Um, Sue's talked about playing in Arizona. Um, so I, that would be nice. Puna Ford, <coughs> defensive tackle for Seattle. I mean, that's a kid who plays with superb leverage. He's a baller, that kid. Um, 
Gaines is off the board now. Rocky Sins on the board still. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting I had on there. He just got signed. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson got stolen away by the Lions. I wonder what's going on in Philly that, that you know, he was able to sign with the Lions for like one year, eight million. I, that could have made sense for the Eagles. It's they're wondering too what wants to happen there. Here's a safety I love is John Johnson the third, who was released by the Browns. Thirteen career interceptions at free safety. He's a classic center fielder. He went to my Boston College um, Eagles. He played for them and was always really good. Eagles free safeties in this league have been doing unbelievable. Justin Simmons. On, at, in um, in Denver, for example. And I have Deron Harmon in case we can't get uh, John Johnson. Uh, I still have Harmon on there. So, you know, there's, there are players out there worth investing in. And I think if you took 10 of the, 10 of the million and invested it in three, three good players, that one at defensive tackle, one at cornerback, and get a quarterback – at least sets us up better for the draft and we don't have to be so dependent on drafting for need. Um, so did you find out Gaines's uh, numbers? No details on Gaines yet. No okay. length or money on the contract. All right. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. He, the Bucks snagged him up. Dang. Yeah, Samalu uh, was a three-year contract with the Steelers. Murphy Bunting, I believe, was a one-year deal with the Titans. And as you mentioned, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson got a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions as a basically a prove-it contract that, like you said, the Eagles probably could have afforded. I know they brought back their other two corners instead of him, but they uh, they let Gardner-Johnson walk to Detroit. Amazing. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, it's too bad he had those negative press on Gannon after the Super Bowl. Uh, because maybe he, Gannon would have brought him with him, um, or try maybe he tried to even. But I think, uh, you know, again, uh, the buzz here, uh, is not like it is in Detroit. Let's just put it there that way. And how are the Cardinals going to do that? Well, I have some ideas on the draft. Um, and how we can create draft buzz. Okay. So, but I do, I'm praying and hoping we can sign three players, uh, get us a quarterback who, you know, there's a good chance that Kyler won't play at all this year. I mean, if we're all in, you know, if we're one and six after seven games, do you think Kyler's going to come back and play? I mean, Kyle, what would you think? I think it depends on the nature of the injury. I, I think if he's cleared to play and he's gone through all the rehab, I think it would be more likely to play. I think the closest comp is like what happened with Chase Young last year where he came back around like week 14, even though there wasn't really much to play yeah. for. I know they were still in it kind of, right. but there wasn't much to play for. Right. So I think I need more information to know for sure. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, I... I've just got this very strong feeling we're not going to see Kyler take a snap this year. Um, and that's not what I want. I mean, I'd love to see him play, but I, I just, if if the team, the way to ensure Kyler playing snaps would be to, to win without him. And, you know, Colt McCoy, 
I mean, I think Colt will do everything humanly possible to try to, um, you know, be the bridge quarterback. But, you know, his injuries from last year are concern, and he's still rehabbing. He had a really rough year physically, plus the concussion at Denver. Um, you know, at his age, 36, uh, or was he? Colt McCoy is 36, I think. Um Maybe older than that, actually, 37. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think he's built for the long run if we're going to need a quarterback for the whole season. Um, Colt McCoy is 36 I, and he'll be 37 by opening day or yeah, the first game. Okay. I mean, you know, that's a lot on Colt. I mean, he's got a great career in coaching ahead of him or he's going to run for governor of Texas, but, um, you know, he's, I really like Colt McCoy and if he physically can handle this, I know mentally he can, um, physically, I think is, is, uh, is a concern. So, you know, um, I think that they obviously have to get, uh, not only a, a free agent quarterback to, to go in the mix, but they need to draft a quarterback at some point. And so here's, Here's a draft that I worked on, uh, been working on, and that makes sense to me. And I want to explain why in each case. I mean, I think the inevitable trade is down with the Colts. Um, I know everyone's saying, every mock you have the Cardinals trade down with. Well, it's so obvious that you know the Colts are going to want to go up one to get the quarterback of their choice. They're not going to stand pat. Um, if there's a guy they really love there, they'll go up and they'll give up the, the fourth pick and the 35th to get him. I, there's no doubt in my mind they'll do that. Um, which is, no matter what trade you do, you ought to do that first. You know, Unless it's a team trading up to try to get the, the same quarterback the Colts want. And then you might even be able to leverage that and up the ante on the Colts and receive a player in return or another draft pick, but man, there's no way. I mean, buzz wise, if the Cardinals traded out of there and I've heard a trade with Atlanta to eight, the Cardinals would get the eighth pick, the 44th pick, um, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback and their Falcons first round pick the next year. That's awfully enticing. And I like Desmond river, uh, Ritter, I would like I would like that draft a lot. But man, the buzz from I mean, if you thought the Seahawks getting DK Metcalf over Andy Isabella is ever gonna go away, imagine if the Cardinals trade down to eight and the Seahawks at five take Will Anderson. I mean, well, what they've been doing to add to their defense, they'd be a legion of boom all over again. I mean, with Anderson, I mean he'd be unbelievable that defense we cannot absolutely cannot allow that to happen just can't i mean if anything i was playing around with making the seahawks trade up at least to get something back um but then i'm going like no i mean the ideal scenario would be if the seahawks wanted to trade up for the fourth quarterback then yeah let's do it so we can still draft will anderson um, 
But man, the thought of the Seahawks coming out of this draft with Will Anderson is just untenable to me and unacceptable. So what I did is I made that trade down to four. I took Will Anderson. Kyle, give us uh, the, the background on Anderson. According to Pro Football Focus, Will Anderson shored up any concerns about his size at the Combine. He's an explosive and impactful every down edge who racked up over 200 pressures in three seasons at Alabama. Comes in at six foot four, 243 pounds. He's 21 and a half years old right now, and his overall PFF grade last year at Alabama was an 83.6. Thank you, my man. So now we went down to 34, and here's where I made a trade um, and tried to get creative with the Browns. Was that the Browns would move up to 42. We would include DeAndre Hopkins in this deal and what the Cardinals would get in return. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver. Uh, The Browns' 42 pick. They're round four, 111 pick. They're round five, 143 pick. And um, and we would get A.J. Green, the Browns' uh, young cornerback, who uh, did not have a good, great year this year, but the year before playing the slot in 116 snaps, he had an 86.2. Uh, overall grade and a 90.3 slot grade. We need a slot corner. <clears throat> They've got a number of really good corners in Cleveland already. So I was including him in that deal. So sort of a blockbuster deal. And so, um, plus we had back-to-back picks there. So I had us trading out of that, and picking up some assets. And so at 35, I went with Mozzie Smith, the defensive interior player for Michigan. Kyle? Mozzie Smith's pro football focus description. All Mozzie Smith did was flex his muscles and route to four, 34 bench reps with a 33 and three-fourths inch arms. That was the most of any player in attendance and backs up the, prodi- the prodigious play strength he shows on tape. He's six foot three, 337 pounds. He will be 22 years old when he takes the field first in the NFL, and he has a pro football focus grade of 79.9 at Michigan. Nice. I love those Michigan defenders. Uh, of course, uh, Dave Sears, who's our assistant GM, you know, tabbed Michigan Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan's Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. I'm sure he's got a lot of work on Mozzie Smith. <clears throat> so we address the interior there. Now we have that traded back to 42 with the Browns. And I took took a guy here, a corner that I know the Cardinals have met with and re- have really liked, Garrett Williams of Syracuse. Kyle? According to Pro Football Focus, Garrett Williams won't get any pre-draft testing as he continues to rehab his ACL injury. In a loaded cornerback class, he runs the risk of slipping come draft day because of it. He is 6 feet, 189 pounds. He will also be 22 when he plays first in the NFL. Had a Pro Football Focus grade of 71.1 at Syracuse. I think that 
that, you know, Williams is going to be ready to go. Uh, and boy, when you watch his tape, I mean, if you look at the kind of corner, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Darius Slay. Um, and if you watch his tape, you know, he's what's what's his size? Six feet, 189 pounds. Yeah, perfect. All right. So um, it just was a hunch. And I know that they've met extensively with him and I think they love him. So I'm just going to guess. And I don't think, you know, going the next pick was at 66. So. I think they worry that he'd be off the board and they took him there. They're going to draft a corner later too. So I'll get to that in a minute, but he just stood out to me there. He's their number 40 in the PFFs in PFS ranking, despite the ACL, he's their number 49 player overall on the, on the big board. So he's in the top 50. All right. So now getting into early round three, we had, uh, the number 66 pick. I took uh, the center, Luke Weipler, there from Ohio State. Kyle? According to Pro Football Focus, center is the least athletically driven position in the NFL, but it was still nice to see Weipler back up what we saw on tape in the change of direction drills. Posted quality times in the short shuttle, 4.53, and three cone drills, 7.64 seconds. He is six foot three, 300 pounds, he is graded as a second-round prospect by Pro Football Focus, and his grades from last year at Ohio State were 82.4. Yeah, he fits the system really well, I believe. Um, you know, this, the zone blocking system of the Cardinals requires, you know, guards and centers to pull and be very active on the second level. Weipler checks those boxes, and I, li- I liked him a lot. Um also like the big kid Tipman from um, from Wisconsin. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that would be uh, that would be a good one as well. Um, all right. So uh, next up, I had. Uh, oh, my goodness. My screen just went blank. Uh, who would I have next, Kyle? Third round pick 96, which I believe was the comp pick they got for Chandler Jones. It will be wide receiver A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Let's hear uh, he doesn't that. have a description on PFF, but he is six foot five, 205 pounds. He is 23 years old, and his pro football focus grades for the Demon Deacons was 83.4 last year, and uh, he played in all 13 games. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. Um, the This guy is not only high, you know, high caliber player he is a high quality um leader and um he's getting some pretty good attention i figured you know i don't think you could get him in the fourth round we had that late third round pick we just traded deandre hopkins um but we we need size at the position we picked up donald people's jones but he's in a i think contract year grabbing at perry there made a lot of sense to me He's their 75th ranked player. We got him at 96. So um, we'll take it. Uh, now I double back on corner at early f- round four. 
Travis Hodges, uh, Tomlinson, um, their number 59th ranked pick got at 105. Go ahead, pal. They project him as a third round prospect. He is five foot nine, 180 pounds, 23 years old, and his pro football focus grades from last year were 76. And one other interesting note that I saw his lowest rated game was, of course, the 62 to seven championship game loss against Georgia. So (laughs) no surprise there. Yeah, no. And uh, this is a kid who's quite a ball. I love TCU's D-backs. They're always, they tackle and this kid's a a baller. And um, I think he can play some in the slot too. So. Uh, that'd be a, a win-win for us at that spot um, in the draft. So then with the uh, pick I got 111, I uh, went defensive interior again with Mauro Ajomo of Texas. Mauro Ajomo from Nigeria. Uh- is the pick there. He is six foot three, 281 pounds. He is projected as a third round prospect by pro football focus. And his grades in college last year were 90.6. Oh boy. Well, he slides because he's a little smaller than the prototypical defensive tackles in the NFL, uh, weight wise. But when you watch him play, boy, does he pack a punch and, if you can get him early in the fourth round, I, I mean, I'd be even um, just as, uh, you know, now that I think of it, I think I'd probably take him at 104 and then hope that, Tom, you know, that Hodges Tomlinson would be on the board later. And by um, comparison to Smith, who we picked in the second round, Smith is almost 60 pounds heavier than right. Jomo. Yeah, I thought they'd be really perfect compliments too. So, all right. So now, um, with the next pick from the Browns we got in round five, 143, uh, I took Dwayne McBride, the running back from UAB. He's not ranked 90th on their board. We got him at 143. All right, Dwayne McBride. Many people might know him from the uh, the bowl game this year where he ran for almost 300 yards. That was when uh, I first learned about him. Uh, he's five foot 11, 215 pounds. He will be 22 when he suits up for his first NFL game. And his pro football focus grades are 94.1. And in that famous bowl game, he had a 99.9 pro football focus grade. Unbelievable. I think yeah. he went for 271 yards on like only 16 or 17 carries or something like that. Yeah, I I don't know if we'll be able to get him at 143. You might have to get him earlier than that. But this kid's a special talent, and uh, you know I, I love him and the uh, and the the uh, the kid from Tulane, Sears. Oh my God! I mean, if you can get either one of those kids, it would be amazing. Be a great addition. Then at 168 in round five in our uh, compensatory pick, I went with Chan- Chandler Zavala, the guard from North Carolina State, who's been on a lot of our boards. Joe Camo loves this kid. I do too. Uh, Kyle, what you, what do you have on him? 
Chandler Savala is six foot five, 325 pounds. Pro Football Focus has him right about here in the fifth and sixth round. And he had a 76 PFF grade during his senior season or his junior season at North Carolina State. Nice. So then with 179, um, I uh, I figured it was time to take a quarterback. I was tempted, you know, now that I think of it, it to me, it was between Aiden O'Connell and if, um, you know, Stetson Bennett was <laughs> would have been on the board, I would have taken him. I would have had, a, a, you know, I'd try to decide between the two of them. I like both of them a lot. Aiden O'Connell um, from Purdue, I, th- I think, is an under-the-radar guy. And uh, Kyle, what do you have on him? Aiden O'Connell, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. He will be twenty-five years old when he suits up for his potential first NFL game, and he is a sixty-seven point two during his final season at Purdue. I think he started three or four seasons at Purdue. Yeah. Um. Will you? After we get off, after I do the last pick, would you look up his career stats? Um, we'll, we'll turn to you on that in a second, but let's, let's get, finish out the draft with, with the last pick at two twelve. Um, I doubled down on running backs here and went with Eric Gray from Oklahoma. Um, I really like this kid a lot. I, I, I think we need some depth and some speed and shiftiness at, at running back. And so I thought he fit the bill too. Go ahead, Kyle, Eric Gray. Eric Gray comes in five foot ten, two hundred eleven pounds. He is twenty three years old, and he had a Pro Football Focus grade of ninety point six during his time at Oklahoma. You mean in two thousand twenty two, right? Yeah, in two thousand twenty two yeah, at Oklahoma. Right. Excellent. Yeah, he came. He did have a really good year. Um. So that's it. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, Kyle. Do you have any? career stats on him yeah so he started the he started three seasons for Purdue there was the strange season with the pandemic where they only played three games right but um he ended up start his last two seasons he had uh in his junior season he completed 71 percent of his passes for 3700 yards 28 touchdowns 11 interceptions and a passer rating, which college passer rating is different than NFL passer rating yeah. of 158.5. And then his graduate season at Purdue, he again played every game, only 64% completion percentage, 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a passer rating of 132.2. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, the games I saw him, I really liked him. He's got poise, good accuracy. He did pretty well in the in the in the uh, in the postseason. It played at uh, I think the Senior Bowl. Kind of liked how he handled himself there. So, you know, it's a sixth round pick or fifth round pick, uh, late fifth round. It's not you know it's getting some value. Um, I do. I'm fascinated with Stetson Bennett. He's an older quarterback too coming out, but man, guy can sling it and he's got that moxie and, 
and I think he would fit the system well. So I think if there's a way to, uh, I mean, I, that first pick in the fourth round might be a place to cherry pick Stetson Bennett. Um, and he would create some buzz around here as an option if Kyler's not available. So, you know, I, whatever we can do to create buzz now would be a really good thing. And I think it starts with doing whatever you can to draft Will Anderson. I mean, he's the best defensive player in this draft, hands down. I mean, he is, um, you know, he's elite. Um, now, he, he's not flawless. I mean, he's the rap on him is he doesn't have a, a bag of tricks. He just tries to win with speed or power or convert speed to power off the edge. But he does it so well, you know, um, that he hasn't necessarily needed a bag of tricks. He'll learn those um in the nfl he'll he'll do it but this guy is a tremendous leader he's been you know um and what i love about him is he's was good to start and it's been great all the way through that's what i want to look for in first round picks uh, you know i know everyone's just a buzz about witherspoon and gonzalez those guys worry me they're one one hit wonders I mean, they did not have great seasons the year before. Um, solid, not you know, nothing special. And they emerged on this scene in perfect time, and kudos to them. But I want to, if you're going to invest a first-round pick in somebody in that high, I I'm, feel more confident in guys who have shown consistent excellence throughout their college careers and not just have it in one year when it leads up to the draft. So, you know, with Will Anderson, I mean, he's, he's excellent the minute he set foot on, on, on the field in Alabama and he carried it through for three years. That kind of consistency is, is tremendous and, and um, speaks well to, you know, his preparation, his dedication, his leadership. So, you know, I if they trade out of that slot, I mean, I know it's alluring to get a first-round pick for next year and all that. But, man, I the fallout of him going to the Seahawks, we just uh, – I'm so sick of hearing the DK Metcalf thing. I think my ears would explode if we had to go through that again, um, something like that. And the Seahawks are making tremendous moves, so we got to do something to um, counter um, – with that, with our own defense, and why not grab the best player in this draft and make it a priority? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, Kyle, want to go back to the poll? Where are we now in this poll of, of uh, you know, do you think the Cardinals are going to have already stopped signing free agents pre draft or no? Looks like we are up to 71 votes now, and uh, the averages come in about the same. So, yes, Embrace the Tank is at 17%. Roll dollars to 2024 cap is at 44%, still the, the favorite. Yes, yeah. they want comp picks at 11%, and then no, they'll still be signing people is at 28%. Overwhelmingly, the fans have... Uh think yes it stopped and uh 
You know, I'm still looking like 20 times a day on on Twitter and news feeds, hoping. And that's become a pattern in recent years. It's very frustrating, particularly at the trading deadline, too, where the Cardinals did not a um, with glaring weaknesses on their team and two years ago with a chance to win the NFC um, was just mind-boggling. And then, the, um, you know, I, I like to see the team be aggressive. Now, they haven't sold out like other teams. And so, you know, in that respect, we might be better off than we think. But, and I, I totally get the, preparing ahead for the first contract year that's Kyler's making over $50 million and trying to roll cap money into a next year and everything. But again, I, you know, I want to give these coach, young coaches a chance to hit the ground running. And I, I, unless you're just using them to try to develop guys for a couple of years and then get rid of them. And that would really bother me. I'm sick of the carousel. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of the mismanagement um, from the front office. And, you know, I mean, here's the other thing is, so fans have already realized that Cardinals are not, you know, are basically looking ahead and rebuilding and, you know, they're going to stop signing free agents until, you know, after the draft and stuff like this. But, you know, how can you do this two years in a row and in that span win only one, you know, go, uh, what were they, um, f- four and 16 at home the last two years, or f- four and 15? I mean, one win last year at home, and the owner goes and raises the the season tickets 22%. I mean, it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make all these precipitous moves that backfire. And by the way, fans, you're going to pay for it. (laughs) And I don't care if you had to sit through one win at home last year, you got to pay for it. You're going to have to pick up the slack. So it's back on the fans. That's like cha- charging the the players money for food. I mean, it's just oh, so frustrating. And, and um, at least now it looks as if, you know, he's handed things over to Monty. But because of the similarities of last year's and this year's, it feels like this is a dictate from Bidwell. And, you know, like maybe this is why the three – head coaches with head coaching experience wanted nothing to do with the Cardinals. Cause what is this? If Sean Payton came here and I think we were blatantly lied to when we were, he said money is no issue for signing Sean Payton, like a $20 million a year. Is this what our off season would have looked like with Sean Payton? You think he'd be signing up for this? It's kind of like Bidwell just got a, 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 you know, a, a general manager who was willing to come in and, you know, be on board with this, and then a head coach, similarly. I mean, so, 
you know, with all of the negative PR about the Cardinals, how can this keep going to get better? Now, I agree with, you know, you've got to you know, get, get this roster younger and you got to add talent. I agree with all that. But you can do it simultaneously by making key hires in areas where you need not only starters, but you need depth. I mean, I don't see why you can't do that when you're sitting there with 10 to 12 million to spend and still have 10 to, 10 to 12 million left over. I mean, you know. And then I think waiting till after the draft, like I said, is a mistake because who's going to want to sign with the Cardinals after, especially for cheap after the after the draft? If you're going to play for cheap, if you're a veteran, you're going to go to a a contender. And you know the Cardinals have to reverse the narrative on that somehow and get a positive buzz going. And I. The draft should be able to hopefully create that buzz, but imagine if, you know, the draft is controversial as well if they pass on Will Anderson. You know, I mean, I think fans would get excited about a first-round pick in 2024, but, but you know, I think most fans would be BS. I mean, this is a team that needs some star power, some elite players. I mean, and, and you have a chance, you know, to, to grab someone who's, you know, look at what Bosa's done for the 49ers. I mean, how can you pass on that kind of a talent, you know, no matter what? If he's there, it's, it's almost a miracle if he would be there um, as the best defensive player in the draft. He's worthy of going number one. So, and I think... On some people's boards, he is number one, the number one prospect in this draft. My draft guy has him number one. My buddy Blake, who does scouting, yeah. has him as number one overall. And he only has three what he would classify blue chip prospects in this year's draft. So that's a yeah. high praise for Will Anderson. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also think the cornerbacks are overrated because – where would those quarterback cornerbacks be ranked last year? <laughs> they wouldn't be top 10 talked about in the top 10 at all. Not even close. I think sometimes, you know, they, the draft pundits, they need to have a couple corners in there because traditionally that's, that's been trendy lately with sauce Gardner, Daryl sting, um, Derek Stingley, um, you know, et cetera. But, you know, the Gonzalez and Witherspoon, who had two tremendous seasons, like I said, um, you know, the talent looks great on, on tape, but also it's, you know, only one great year in college to go off of. So, you know, I don't think in, in a normal year they would be top 10 draft picks. Um, but, you know, and that's why, I mean, I don't think everyone's the draft buzz on on Gonzalez would be the same, even close to what it would be if the Cardinals got Will Anderson. You know, and then of course with with uh, Carter, uh, you know, it's I don't know how anyone um, 
can draft him in the top 10 now, certainly. Um, it's just a you know, really tough situation uh, for him in particular. And you can just imagine what he's been through. Um, <clears throat> and he's going to need to, you know, get things back in order. Now he did get the, the, the no contest deal. And so um, he won't be facing jail time and he's got community service to do, et cetera. And, you know, and he'll do that and he'll get himself back on his feet. But, you know, I mean, in the end, you know, when you're investing that much, that high in the draft, you have to be confident in a player's decision-making and, and um, background in those ways. And, uh, you know, someone may end up getting a huge deal. Although I think that, you know, when, when it comes to situations like that, where, where a high profile prospect has faced the kind of trauma that, that, uh, that he's faced, I, that's going to be harder to come back from immediately or in the short term than people probably realize. I think there's a, you know, he's going to need, need a whole support system and, you know, get the help um, that, that, that uh, he needs um, or anyone who's been through that, something as traumatic as, as, as that uh, is, is, you know, going to need help. And, you know, I don't, wouldn't doubt he's, you know, in a, sooner maybe than later but maybe not that he'll be you know show semblances of the player he was at Georgia and really make the transition into into um, the NFL I hope for his sake that he does but I, I don't think at this point the Cardinals certainly with their recent history of speeding and loss of life in accidents um, can justify making that pick and uh, as talented as Carter is and, and as much of a need as we have inside. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think the biggest buzz of this year would be being able to pick um, Anderson at number, you know, four, if we can trade down and get him there. Uh, the other thing is, is what if curveballs happen and Anderson's gone by three? We can get that at some point. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do this week, I'm going to do a film study. I've been doing a lot of research on three edge guys, defensive end types uh, for the 4-3. And they are um, <clears throat> Miles Murphy, uh, then um, of Clemson. And then um, you've got uh, uh, Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech, and then um, Kyle Van Ness of uh, of Iowa. I mean, th that's going to be a really Lucas Van Ness. Excuse me, Lucas Van Ness with a K. Um, and I've been charting there, you know, watching a lot of film on them, and I have to tell you. Um, as the more I film, I watch the kid Van Ness is really standing out to me. Um, and then I looked up the PFF grades. He's got the highest one of the three at 80.2. Um, 
and uh, Tyree had 79.0, and Murphy had 75.1. But also on run defense, Van Ness has the highest grade, 80.9. Tyree at 72.8, and um, and uh, um, <clears throat> the, the Murphy at 72.6. So I'm going to put together a film study and do a poll on that for people to, to look. Uh, I posted on Twitter a highlight little tape that Brian Baldinger put in there on Van Ness, which playing against Skaronsky, um in Northwestern um, and what he was able to do. It's a small clip. It's really worth seeing. So at WBJ Mitch, if you want to check that out, I, I posted it two days ago um, and wrote, Lucas Van Ness is a tremendous fit for the Cardinals as evidenced by Baldy's clips um, on, on this particular clip that I embedded. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, whole, I'm one of the 28% who hopes the Cardinals are, you know, are still clinging to the hope and belief the Cardinals will make some more signings and, uh, uh, and cover their bases heading into the draft and not be relying on just drafting purely for need in the draft and, and being reliant on thinking they can sign other free agents after the draft when we know how hard it was for them to do last year. And last year they were at least in the conversation for being a playoff contender until the team removed all doubt once they started playing. So, um, so yeah, so hope you're having a good week. Uh, enjoy it. I hope the Cardinals make some moves for us. If not, you'll, all of you who voted in the 75 percentile that the, Car the Cardinals have stopped signing players for this uh, pre-draft free agency period. You, you'll be correct and can be satisfied with that. I know a lot of you are fine with the Cardinals tanking or whatever, or just rebuilding. Or um, I'm struggling with it, to tell you the truth, uh, because of how wide open the NFC is and because – you know what? I mean, if the Seahawks can rebound, why can't we? That's my message. So um, thank you to Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter, who's crushing things in Sacramento. And, and then, uh, of course, to all of you for your continued support. And until next time, may the red rain of Super Bowl confetti shower down on you and all of us into the red, red sea. Red rain.